And as we remain standing, let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray at this time that you would give us grace to attend to your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to enter into our struggles and to be so identified with us that you chose baptism and gave us baptism, that we might die your death and live your life. We pray now, Lord, that you would give us grace to attend to what it is you have for us and to respond to your word in faith and love and joy. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. I'd like to, to welcome, uh, uh, oh my land, Julian and Michelle and Chris with us today. You're on vacation, eh? All the way from Riverview? It's great to have you here. Does God really care? Oh, good. Oh, whew. Yeah, he does, right? But sometimes when, when it just seems like there is an onslaught of, of hardship and grief, sometimes we can question that. We can wonder, if God really cares, then why is this all allowed to happen? And sometimes we can, we can struggle with that. And, and I think that when we look at the, the prophecy today from Isaiah chapter 42... Uh, we, we have the one of four servant songs that, that point to what the Messiah is going to be like. And I think one of the key attributes of the servant is that he cares for the downtrodden. He cares for the discouraged and the depressed. And I don't know about you, but right now I could use some encouragement. And I could use some comfort and re- a reminder that God is good, that God does indeed care and that that matters very greatly for how we are to live our lives today. Um, so we are, we are looking at the, the context, uh, just to give a bit of context, we're looking at who the servant of the Lord is in the context of idolatry, of choosing something other than God to, to try to find fulfillment. And if we think that idolatry is something that, that people struggled with way back when, It's not true. We struggle with it every day. And just to give you one example, do you know that in children, uh, anxiety levels are higher than they ever have been? Do you know that? And do you know one of the main causes is right here? And it's because we're constantly looking for distraction or comfort or whatever it is. And meanwhile, our kids are going, Mom, Dad, Dad, Mom, Mom, Dad. And they're not immediately accessible and that's anxiety-inducing. And what is this? It's nothing. And that's what an idol is. It's nothing. And so instead of seeing something that's precious and worthwhile in front of us, we are consumed by what is nothing. And that's the offense of idolatry. So this is something that we need to hear uh, in our lives when you know, idolatry isn't a foreign thing. It's something that affects all of us. you're ever around a playground, one of the things you will hear is, that's not fair. If you're ever in earshot of my house, what you will often hear is, that's not fair. We say it as adults, we say it as children. It's something that is ingrained in us. We want things to be fair. We want things to be just. 
And uh, in his book, Simply Christian, Tom Wright actually says that that longing for fairness and justice is actually a signpost for the existence of a just God who created all of us in his image. We long for this. It's part of our makeup. So this passage in Isaiah 42, verse 1, it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. It goes on to say, how will he do this? He will not shout or cry out. He will not raise his voice in the streets. And I love this. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. I love that. I used to be in a, in a debate team. Yeah, because I'm cool. And I remember when we would have practices and things, um, or even seeing them in tournaments, sometimes somebody would say something that would just set the other person off. And the person would lose it. Their voice would get higher. They would start gesturing more. They would lose command of the English language. And you knew, even if they were, if you agreed with them, they lost the debate because they lost control. The servant of the Lord, sometimes identified as Israel as a whole, but here definitely one person, is in charge. They're calm. They're capable. They don't need to shout. They don't need to do great grand acts. They can just trust in in the presence of God to do what they are called to do. And in comparison with what God did uh, with judging nations, like he used um, Assyria to punish. Right now, this is from Isaiah chapter 41. And he's talking about uh, King Cyrus. He hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust and with his sword and to windblown chaff with his bow. What does that mean? He uses power to dominate and to control, to punish. The servant is completely different. Speaks clearly, speaks calmly, brings justice with faithfulness, integrity. This is the God we serve. This is Jesus. This is whom we hope for. Um, and, I, and, and, and instead of just subduing people, the servant will not oppress the already discouraged, that broken reed. Jesus is tender towards that broken reed. And the one that really speaks to me is if you're struggling with depression, he's not going to extinguish that light completely. He cares for that light. So for us, this means that we do not need to fret. We do not need to be filled with worry and anxious thoughts. Jesus is working, bringing justice, fairness. And not only we're going to look at more of what he does, but he does it in such a way that is tender and caring. Yeah. All right, I'm about to go on a tangent, but I'm not. I'm pulling it back. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Carol. That's encouraging. Not one of those tangents. Um, When's the last time any of you have have filled out a resume? Years ago, right? Um, I I was listening to a conversation recently about how to fill out a proper resume. And when I was filling out resumes 20 years ago, (coughs) um, 
What you did is that you printed off your resume with your name in bold on the top, and it couldn't be more than two pages, and you would go to the place you wanted the job, and you would ask for the manager or the person in charge, and you would hand them that resume, and then you would stick out your hand and say, I'm Paul Ranson, and I want this job. And you shake their hand to make an impression. Now you never see that person. You don't hand deliver anything because that's harassment. It's got to be by email. And one of the things I, I, I discovered recently that you need to tailor fit your resume to fit the job description. And so one, one website actually suggests that you use one of these. Do you know what this is? Chris, you know what this is, right? It's, it's a text cloud or a word cloud. So you, you grab the job description, you copy it, you paste it in this website, and it generates all the words that are used most. And then you tailor fit your resume with these words. The bigger ones are the ones that really matter. And you stick it back into your, your resume, and then you email it, and then they'll take notice because they'll do the same thing. <gasps> They've got the same word cloud. Right? It's a different world we live in. <laughs> Why should we care about this suffering servant? Or sorry, not suffering, just the servant of the Lord. Why should we care about what he's come to do? In the next verse, in verse 5, it says, This is what the Lord says. The creator of the heavens, who stretches them out and spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. This is God's resume. This is who I am. This is why I'm here. Are you hurting? Are you discouraged? God cares. He created you and wants you to be who he created you to be. He cares. One of the deceptions that I struggle with most in my personal life is the deception that God is somehow far away and unaware and incapable. So daily, I need to remember you are here, you know, and you are king. You are capable. I need to remind myself those three things every single day. Because things get dark real quick when I don't. So it goes on to say, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I have a good intention for you. I will take hold of your hand. I will be with you. I will, uh, make, and I, I will keep you. I will protect you like a, like a special treasure. These are, these are the things that Yahweh is saying to the servant. And then he says this, and I will make you to be a covenant for the people. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? So what is a covenant? It's, it's kind of like a legal arrangement. And, and back in the ancient Near East, a covenant was made between a great king and a lesser lord. And the great king would say, I won't wipe you off the face of the earth if you do X, Y, and Z. And the lesser lord would say, yes, sir. And then they would slaughter an animal. And the lesser lord would be made to walk through the pieces and said, if I disobey or break the covenant, this is me. I get it. Message received. It's interesting that when Abraham has a covenant with God, it is God who walks through the pieces of the sacrifices, not, not Abraham. Right? How is it that Jesus can be, or sorry, the servant, we know it's Jesus, can be the, the, the covenant? 
But he sacrifices himself for the people so that they could enter into a formal relationship with their God. He is the covenant. He is the one we look to. Not only does he renew this relationship with the people of God, but he becomes a light for the Gentiles. Us. We have been enlightened by God's presence because he has pursued us. And then to open the eyes that are blind, to, to free the captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who are in darkness. God does not want his creatures to be held in captivity. And, and, and one of them, we'll go back to idolatry for a second, he wants us to live life and not be so surfing on social media. He wants us to actually be engaging with the people that matter more than anything around us instead of looking at how perfect some celebrity's life is, which is all a lie. And he especially wants us to ignore pirates on Facebook. <clears throat> when asked why he was attempting a third climb of um, Mount Everest, George Mallory said, does anyone know? Because it's there. It's a great reason. That's why I eat ice cream. It's there. Until, until it's not, yeah. <laughs> In verse 8 it says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I am that I am, and I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and the new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. One of the problems with us Anglicans in this age is that we look back at the 1960s and we think, oh my goodness, that was the golden age. It'll never be that good again. And that's a bunch of bunk. First of all, I wasn't alive in the 60s. So it couldn't have been that great. And secondly, what's done is done. And where we are is where we are. And what God is doing, God is doing. And it's a new thing. And instead of us fixating on what happened way back when, our question, the question of the faithful is to say, God, where are you at work now? What can I do to participate in what you are doing? Please be glorified in me. Please be glorified in your church that people would know freedom and healing, that they may receive your light. If we are fixing on the idol of the 60s, so empty without me, <laughs> we cannot attend to the here and now and what God is doing here and now. Yes? All right. This prophecy was true when Isaiah uttered it, hundreds of years before Jesus. It was true when Jesus fulfilled it. And if you're wondering, where's all this justice in the nations? Read Tom Holland. He's a, well, he was an atheistic historian that basically said, civilization owes its thanks to the church. He's an atheist saying that. I think he's now agnostic. I think they've been bumping him this way. 
But he's saying that what the problem with society right now is that we're lopping out God from underneath us and everything's going to fall because we need things like the golden rule to get us off of ourselves and to think about the needs of the other. We lose that. We lose democracy. We lose everything. Tangent. Sorry. (laughs) Hebrews 4, 12 to 13. I'd like us to read this together if we could out loud because it's true. The prophecy we read today is true. And we are invited to participate in what God is doing now and experiencing the justice and the freedom and the healing of the servant of the Lord. So can we read this together? For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God is large and in charge. He is faithful and he cares for you. And we can receive that and live that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we say amen. We recognize you as the servant of the Lord. We receive you as our Lord. And we trust that you are at work even now in our world, even now in our lives. And when things are going wrong, we thank you that you are tender toward us. That you do not snap a broken reed. You do not snuff out a burning wick. So Lord, please encourage us by your presence. Renew your call in our lives. And give us your grace so that we can reflect your glory in this world. To value that which truly matters and to cut off the things that don't. Reign in us that we might bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen.